Um, so pray for him. It's going to be rough, but he's going to be, be leaving us. Um, but I just want to share with you guys what I've titled Dare to Dream. And as Jody mentioned to me about, you know, my own working with teenagers and, and, and kind of showing what God is doing among our young people and challenging you that whether you have teenagers or whether God's speaking in you to, 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 to speak into these kids' lives. And it could be from young kids to old kids, whatever it is. Um, we're going to talk about God giving you a dream, God giving you the ability to take what he's doing in your own life and, and share that with one another. And so, I, like I said, I, I entitled this Dare to Dream. And as we continue on this whole Genesis to Jesus, um, we're going to talk about Joseph and his story and how that compares to Jesus Christ and how that works in our own life and, and things that he walked through and things that he had to step through. And so for myself, my dream started, um, I grew up here in Utah and it was my sophomore year. I was, I was at Taylorsville High School and it was a youth rally that was going on and I, I went to hear a youth speaker and it was at that time I felt God call me into the ministry and directed two young people and said, this is what I want you to do for your future. And it was in conflict with a lot of things that I myself wanted to do, and it kind of got in the way of that. But God's like, this is what I, what I have for you. And so when I graduated high school, I headed down to Louisiana to a, a Christian university there where I attended for a couple years. And then I moved to the total opposite, which is up the Mississippi to Minnesota, Louisiana, Minnesota, two different places, um, and was going to school uh, at a Christian university there, studying youth ministry, and continuing in this dream that God had called me into. And uh, I met my wife up there. She had attended the school for a semester or two semesters, and then transferred over to Concordia and St. Paul, and finished her degree there, and, and that's when we got married. Uh, and we were living in Minnesota. I was working with a um, couple different youth groups, and was a youth leader there, and God gave me the opportunity with some close friends to, to uh, plant a church. And we planted a little four-square church there and was working with that. And yet I, I continually knew that I had this dream that God had given me, that God had given me the desire not only to work with young people, but to come back to Utah, not Maui, Utah. And I was like, okay, God. And, uh, and so it was in 1997 that God brought me back to Utah um, without a plan, without knowing what he was going to do here. And uh, immediately got offered a position as a youth pastor and had started working in youth ministry and have been doing it for in here, here in Utah for over 20 years of working with young people. And a lot of people look at that and say, you know, why, why hasn't God moved you into a different place? And yet God gave me a dream. God gave me a call. And I've been walking in that call. And I don't feel like it's any less because I get to see teenagers' lives, like you guys saw here, transformed in a mighty way. And, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And for those of you who love March Madness, some of you guys have been following that. And, uh, you know, it's a whole idea of all these, these 64 teams that finally make it to the, to the big dance. They, get, they finally make it to there. And there's a lot of young men that are dreaming dreams of cutting down that net. And, and there's, that's a dream that's inside their life. And so I want to challenge you this morning as we start to talk about dreams, as we talk about Joseph, to start thinking to yourself, what are the dreams that God has given me? What are the things that God is challenging me in? Um, I, as Brenda shared, I challenged our young people. I, I shared the story of St. Patrick, and I talked about living a life of total surrender. And in that, I said, we need to have a surrendered heart, a surrendered will, a surrendered plan, which will lead you to a surrendered life. And, and we're going to kind of hit a little bit on that. But Charles Spurgeon once said, for every text in Scripture, there is a road to the metropolis of the Scriptures. That is Christ. And my dear brothers, your business is when you get to a text to say, now what is the road to Christ? I have never yet found a text that had not 
had a road to Christ in it. And so as I share the story of Joseph with you guys, um, I'm not going to have the scriptures um, behind me, but if you have your Bible, if you have a Bible app, we're going to be reading um, through parts of Genesis. And I want you to think about this as we read the story of Genesis, how is this pointing to Christ? What is, what is this saying about our, our relationship with Jesus Christ? So if you dare to dream, your life will experience four seasons over and over again. And this is what I call the dream cycle. Not the dream sickle, but the dream cycle. Hope you remember that. The first part of this is Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer, found in Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. And many of us have heard the story, and if you haven't, we're going to hit parts of it. But I'm going to read it for you right now. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojourning, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was, pa- was pasturing the flocks with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Billah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph a, brought a bad report of them to their father. So Joseph starts off as a tattletale, right? Um, but when his brothers saw... Let's see, actually, let's skip to verse. Um, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, he was binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaves arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream, and he made a mistake, and he told his brothers again. He told his brothers, and he said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So there's two important days in everyone's life. The day we were born and the day we discover why. And so one of the questions I want to hold out in front of you this morning is this question of is what's the why in your life? What is the why in your life? I challenge our young people all the time. I said, if you've never, if you've never asked why, then you've never truly believed. Because you have to find out the why behind your belief. You have to go to a point of saying, it's no longer just what my parents believe or what my church believes or what's around me, but why do I believe this? So what is the why in your life? You know, we have Joseph here, and he started out with a very selfish faith. My coat, my dreams, bow down to me. And this is where our Christianity takes a turn down that reward mentality. What's in it for me? If I serve God, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? The problem with self-love is that its branches do not reach up to God. They might embrace great causes and make great sacrifices, but if love does not embrace God, it's very, very limited. My discovery is that God is supreme, not where he is served with duty, but where he is savored with delight. Do you savor God or do you serve God out of duty? And so in this first part of having this dream, the the part that stood out to me is this promise. A promise is a pledge to somebody to provide or do something. God provided revelation and faith for this difficult future. God gave him a dream. God gave him a dream. God gave him a promise. 
And God's word is chuck full of promises. And promise is of no more value than is the ability of the one who makes it to carry it through. And if God has all these promises for us, there's no greater person to carry those promises through than God himself. Because I know many of us in this room have made promises and not kept them. And yet God's word is full of these promises he's, he's laid out for us. So Joseph, at the age of 17, was taken by his brothers who plotted to kill him, but instead they sold him and lied about it to their dad. And I thought about this, and I said, okay, going back to what Charles Spurgeon said and what this whole series is about, how does this reflect who Christ is? Joseph would have never willingly left his home of privilege, left his home where he was the favorite. He would have never done that on his own to go into slavery. Yeah, I want to be a slave. I'm going to leave my home to go do this in a foreign land or to serve others. He wouldn't do it willingly, but, he, but it ended up being something that happened to him. And this is a foreshadowing of the one Jesus Christ who was willing to leave his home in heaven where he enjoyed the love of his father to become a slave in a foreign place, earth. Jesus willingly gave up his privileges. He took the humbling position of a slave and a servant. Philippians 2.7 says, says it this way. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So here we have the first reflection here, the foreshadowing of Joseph's life of being taken from such a place of, of rest and privilege to a, a foreign land. And the same thing with our Savior Jesus Christ. So he had this promise, Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer became Joseph the worker. Joseph the worker. He had nothing handed to him. He never said, you know what? God gave me a dream, so I'm going to sit back and wait for this dream to happen. I'm going to sit back for God to do his work. And, and for, you know, if he gave me this dream, he's going to do it. But yet he put his, put his head down and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to just work as hard as I can. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get to this dream that I have. So Joseph the worker, Genesis 39, the story continues on, verses 1 through 12. And we know the story how, how he was sold, he wasn't killed by his brothers, and it goes on. Now Joseph had been, had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Israelites, Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer's house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. After a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused to and said to his, mast and said to his master's wife, behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put me... Put me everything that he has in my charge. He is no greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? As he spoke to Joseph day after day, 
As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, none of the men of the house were there in the house. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hands and fled out of the house. So here's Joseph, and, and he's been brought to this point of, of what God is doing in his life is showing. And so he got placed at a, such a high level in Potiphar's house. And all of a sudden, these temptations started coming. And so I, I put down here that because if a dream doesn't cost you something, it won't mean very much to you. If you ever want your, uh, a big dream to explode in your life, you have to be willing to do little acts of obedience. And if you heard from Shan, or Hannah this, this morning as she shared about that, uh, about listening to God, and God was challenging her to do something, and, if, and she said that if I didn't obey, I would have missed out on this opportunity that God had laid before me, this little act of obedience. And so this is what happens, is, is the principles have to be established in our life. The obedience part has to happen. Principles are the things God begins to teach you to help you grow. This is where we put into practice our walk with God. Are you living out the principles found in God's word in your day-to-day life? Are you living out the principles found in God's word in your home life, in your marriage, at school, at work, wherever you're at? Are the principles found in God's word showing up in your life? Because that's what was happening to Joseph. The principles that, that, that God had laid in his life and, and had grown him to the place where he was were standing out because he was fighting temptation because of the principles in his life. In verse 3, it says, the Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever he did because his faith became God-centered. The dream that he had stopped being just about himself and it was about God. You start living by the principle what would make God happy instead of what makes me happy? And it's hard sometimes to do that. We want this Christian faith to be about me and not about God himself. James 1.22 put it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. So here we have Joseph. He went from favored son to a slave and now he's a servant. He's a servant in Potiphar's house. It took hard work getting recognized and for living by his principles, which led him to what? Led him to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. So again, we go back and says, okay, how does this compare? Think about the possibilities. Think about Potiphar himself, okay? Potiphar knew Joseph, and he, he gave Joseph charge of everything. He says he didn't worry about anything except for what he was going to eat for the day because Joseph was going to take care of it all. So he trusted his character. He trusted who he was because he saw this young man that was standing up for these things. And, and now he has his wife. And you think about it. You think Potiphar knew his wife was a little flirtatious, that his wife was kind of, you know, um, these things were happening because it wasn't just one time that happened. It was over a course of time that these things were going on. And for Potiphar to, to learn about this in those days when, when something like this came out, that someone was accused of something like this, they should have been put to death. But for some reason, there, there was a little bit of doubt that was placed in Potiphar's mind, but he knew that he had to discipline him, so he was thrown in prison. So Joseph was thrown in prison at that time. And again, this foreshadowing shows up Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who was falsely accused and arrested. And Pilate himself was clearly, did not believe that Jesus was truly guilty, but he still handed down the sentence of crucifixion. So here's Joseph falsely accused. Here's Jesus, falsely accused. And their life is heading down this road. So we have Joseph the dreamer. 
became Joseph the worker. And because he was being diligent, he was following all the principles of God, shouldn't life just be great? Shouldn't things just start to, to, to go real well for him? But it didn't. Joseph became Joseph the prisoner. Joseph the prisoner. Genesis 39, verses 19 through 23. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But, I always love it when scripture throws out that, that big but, I call it. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. How many of us can relate to Joseph right now? That we, we, we get this dream that God has for us and we get this charge and we start to do the right things. We start to act in obedience to what God has and all of a sudden we hit the problem. We get thrown into prison. Something happens. We feel God has given us a dream. We begin working hard to put his principles into action only to find ourselves constantly, constantly running into problems. When you go through tough times, your dream will be what keeps you alive. I remember this for myself Back in 2002, um, here, in, here in Utah, I, I feel like the, the rug was pulled out underneath my dream. And I was crushed in, in, in the situation that I was going through at that time. I wanted to throw in the towel. I was ready to quit. And I said it more than one time to God. I said, I'm done doing this. My dream didn't, isn't working out right now. And, and God had me persevere through that really rough time in my life and that struggle in my life. And God placed some certain people in my life. And it was three years after that that I, I got to, to meet Eric and Jody and got asked to come on as, as the, uh, the minister here working with our young people um, at the adventure 12 years ago. Seems like such a short time ago. But yet God was continually fulfilling this dream that he had placed in my life, even through the rough times, even through the tough times. So he went from having this promise that God gave him. And then God laying down some of the, the principles that he needed to follow, and then he ran into the problem. A problem is difficulty or trouble. God allows this stage to see if you obey his principles and believe his purpose. Have you ever thought, I'm a Christian, shouldn't things get easier? Right? I'm following God. My life is so different than it used to be, but yet it seems so much tougher. Have you ever asked God why? You ever screamed out to God, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? Why did you do this? Why am I hurting? Why? Injustice and hard times create great soil for your dreams. Hang in there. Life won't be fair and prison won't be fun. Right? So we continue on. We push on on this. You either win and grow or you give up and walk away takes no character to have a dream when everything is going great, right? When everything's going smooth, it's easy. But when things start to happen to go against that, it's hard to follow after God in that. Joseph even celebrated what he had gone through. 
Okay, we know the story that after being in prison, um, he was able to interpret some dreams and got pulled out of there and got placed in, in Pharaoh's household um, over so much of Egypt at that time. And so God was looking upon him favorly. And, but, but Joseph still remembered the trouble that he went through. And he did it in this fashion in Genesis 41, 51 through 52. He talks about it in what he named his kids. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And he said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. So he was trying to move on from all the pain that he experienced from the rejection of his brothers and the hate and all these things that he'd gone through. And yet, in a way, he was remembering the troubles that he had faced. And then he named his second son Ephraim. And he said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God was fulfilling my dreams. Joseph was able to look at his suffering and see that it was not wasted, but was fruitful. God was accomplishing something good through all the hardship and the hurt that he had experienced. And again, you think back to this foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, and Jesus learned the same thing as we look in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. It says this, or 7, yeah, 7 through 9. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So Joseph the dreamer became Joseph the worker, who became Joseph the prisoner, and now he's Joseph the ruler. Joseph the ruler. Genesis 45. And as was happening now is he was placed over um, all the food in the land. And now it's this opportunity for this dream to come true. This dream of, of what God had placed in his life and why this has happened so many years ago and why he had to go through all these things. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone, everyone go away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept out loud, so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. It is my father, is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and so to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house, and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph, the ruler. You begin with a purpose. God provides the principles. You experience problems, but God brings about the provision. Provision is the act of providing or supplying something. God provides what man cannot. God provides what man cannot. And this reminded me of a story um, a few years back. We were doing a family camp out. 
And um, my family had taken two four-wheelers, and I had two kids on the back of mine. Daisy had Xander on the back of hers, and we were going up this really backside road up in the mountains. And I'd rounded the corner and started going up a ways, and something just hit me. And for some reason, I'm like, something's, something's gone wrong. And so I turned my four-wheeler around and came back around the mountain, and they were gone. And as, you know, as a dad and as a husband, all the greatest fears hit your life. You're like, what in the world? And uh, what happened um, was they had gone down the mountainside. And it wasn't just a gradual. It was straight down a mountainside. It wasn't a, naturally a cliff, but it was just straight down. And something had happened to the four-wheeler, and it had locked up, and they had gone over the edge and flipped down. And as they started going down the hill, it was obvious the four-wheeler should have gone after them and rolled over the top of them. But for some reason, the four-wheeler went the opposite way. It went back down the mountainside, the opposite, total opposite direction that they were going. Um, so it had gone down the opposite way. We found it clear down the mountainside later. But as I rounded around the corner, you know, every fear hits you because you can't see where they're at. And then I heard cries going down the mountainside. And so as a dad, I jumped off the four-wheeler with the other kids, um, climbed down the mountain to find my wife and son um, still alive, um, but, but injured and hurting pretty bad. And I'm just like, you know, helping them up the mountainside and we're, we're dragging them up. And as soon as we get to the top, back to the, where the road was, um, there was a Jeep that pulled up. And out of this Jeep comes running a lady and, and her husband, and she was an emergency room nurse, and he was a doctor. And it's one of those things you're just like, man, God, you are so good. And not only that, was I was, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to get them down from the mountain? I got one four-wheeler left. I got five of us that we've got to get down. And now this Jeep appears, and he says, let's get him in my Jeep. And he was taking care of him, had some medicine there that he already gave them. Um, they weren't injured in the sense that it was their life was risked, but I had a doctor and a nurse there looking at them to make sure there wasn't anything more damaging there. And they were able to get them in the Jeep, somehow get turned around um, up on the mountainside and, and back down, and we were able to get the help that we needed. But in that whole situation, my uncle um, Lane said this to me as we were kind of wrapping our mind around what happened. And uh, he said this, these words, sometimes God doesn't help you avoid the problems, but he does provide ways in helping you through them. And you think about this in your own life, that, that God is, is, is giving us dreams. He's giving us things that he's challenging us with. And he's given us guidelines to follow as we do that. And we do experience problems. We do face them. And it's not like God's going to protect us from the problems, but he's going to provide ways to help you through those problems. So here we have Joseph. Joseph, the rejected Jew, who was exalted to become the ruler of a starving world. Anyone who was hungry could go to Joseph for food. You see where I'm going here? The foreshadowing of who Jesus Christ is. Now we have Jesus Christ, a rejected Jew. He's the ruler and savior for a world that is famished and perishing. Anyone in the world who is hungry can go to him for food and find God's abundant provision of grace and righteousness. Romans 5.17 puts it this way, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So the last verse I'm going to share with you is continuing on in Hebrews chapter 5 into chapter 6. It says, and about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dual of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... 
you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So this morning, are you hungry? I don't mean physically. You probably are. But are you hungry? What is God's dream in your life? What are God's principles He's trying to get you to live by? What problems have you encountered? And do you find yourself asking why? And if faith would come up here, we're going to hear a song entitled that why. And if, if you have young kids in here, there's going to be a video rolling in the background. And it shows a little bit of the, the passion of the Christ. And it shows uh, graphically what our, what our Savior went through. But pay attention to this, and I, and I ask you to just think about that question I threw out there and continue to ask yourself why. And I why? ask you is why. What's the why in your life? You know, Joseph the dreamer became Joseph the worker who became Joseph the prisoner to Joseph the ruler. And, and we go through things, and, and God provides a promise but then there's some things that he needs us to do. There's some, some things that we have to follow after. And we may face some problems, but God will provide. So as you stand with me this morning, and we're going to close in prayer. You know, you're never too old to dream or never too young to dream. God has plans for your life. God has direction for your life. And you need to seek that out saying, God, what are you calling me to do? What is your dream for me? Because God isn't specific and say, I'm only going to give dreams to certain people. God gives us all these dreams. And so if you're struggling with the why this morning and you want some time in prayer, you want someone to pray with you, we're going to have the altars open up front. If you want to come up here, we have some people that can come and pray with you. If you just want to, you know, you've never really discovered the why until you saw this video of seeing why he did what he did for us. And so I'm going to close in prayer. And again, like I said, the altars are open. But Father God, I thank you, Lord. God, you can take a a simple story of Joseph and what he faced, and, and we can see such a reflection of who you are, who our Savior is. And God, I know that you've placed dreams in the life of many people here. And God, many of us have faced the troubles and, and wanted to walk away, but God, I pray right now that we will persevere, that we will push through. And God, I pray that you will start answering the why in so many people's lives whether it's for the first time, God, that they ever ask you into their life, God, or they've been a Christian for a long time and have lost track of that dream you've placed in their life. God, let us don't leave this place without understanding who you are and why you placed us here. God, we are so thankful for the sacrifice of your son for us. And we give you this morning, Lord, in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys as you're dismissed. Like I said, we have some leaders up here if you want some prayer. Thanks again.